Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another edition to the Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well on this Wednesday. We are just you know less than twenty four hours away from NFL action on a midday Thursday. Um, it's it happens once a year where we get Thursday afternoon games, and that is to celebrate American Thanksgiving. And that's going to happen tomorrow, Friday. We'll get NHL action in the afternoon as well. So it's a fun week, but there's a lot of news in, in the NFL. Uh, we'll touch on Jason Garrett getting fired. Elton Jenkins of the Green Bay Packers tearing his ACL and just how important this injury might be for the Packers after looking at what happened to David Bakhtiari last season and what ultimately cost the Green Bay Packers a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Taysom Hill, Adrian Peterson, and we'll also preview the three games tomorrow. Uh, and two of them are really interesting. The first one, whew, it's a it's a snoozer, but the aftermath of that game may actually be the more interesting part of the day. Um, also, throughout the NHL, you got a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, uh, Duncan Keith got injured last night for the Edmonton Oilers and their loss to the Dallas Stars. Tampa Bay Lightning continue to, to lose players, to lose superstars, yet they go and beat Philly for nothing. On, you know, just routine. They got Andre Vasilevsky, get a shutout, and they grabbed the two points last night. We'll talk about some of the big injuries, how that might affect them down the stretch, and some uh, some comments that Rick Tockett made yesterday that I really found interesting. Um, also, a big contract in Major League Baseball, college football playoffs. So, lots to dive into today uh, when it comes to the world of sports. But let's start with tomorrow's games in the NFL. There's other storylines that I want to get to, but three games tomorrow starts Lions bears falls followed by Raiders Cowboys. And the nightcap is the Buffalo bills visiting New Orleans saints. That game will be special because not only is Drew Brees getting recognized by the saints, he's calling the game with Mike Tirico for NBC. So it should be a pretty special night for him to be back in Louisiana and, you know, just a crazy night. His family will be there just a year after, you know, he's retired now working for um, Sunday NFL uh, football. So tomorrow's games, I have to do this rant because I did it. I do it. Yeah. You know, when I didn't have a podcast, I just did it in the public once a year to, to family, friends, or just random strangers who wanted to hear a rant of the day. And <clears throat> It starts with, why are the Detroit Lions playing on Thanksgiving? Now, you know, I think the argument I've heard, and I still makes no sense to me as well, tradition. You know, it's, it's tradition that they play. And you know, the Lions have been playing on Thanksgiving since my granddaddy was alive. Well, guess what? Traditions are not always good. Um, there are statues of people that were bigots, that were not great people. There's a statue of Adolf Hitler. Last time I checked, Adolf Hitler was not a good human being. He was not a good homo sapien. Well, the Detroit Lions aren't Adolf Hitler. But when it comes to watching football, the Detroit Lions are as anemic and as pathetic as it gets. Because Thanksgiving is a spotlight game. Standalone games are earned. And sometimes it, they, the second team, the Dallas Cowboys, don't deserve it either. We're talking about merit because they have won three playoff games in 25 years. The Detroit Lions are a pathetic franchise. And the NFL used to play where you could just take a quarterback's head off. Joe Theismann, his career was ended by Lawrence Taylor hitting him hard. You can't touch the quarterback anymore. So traditions, playoff structure, the fabric of the league has changed in every sport, and yet people still watch. So my thought is you've had generations, decades of people watch the Detroit Lions. And since 1990, early than that, this franchise has stunk. The New York Jets have been better 
than the Detroit Lions. The Jets, the Rex Ryan, they went to two AFC championship games with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. Detroit Lions had Matthew Stafford, Megatron, Barry Sanders. They didn't do anything. Nothing. That tells you how pathetic this franchise is. And not to mention you get the Lions playing on Thanksgiving. Now let's show them in with the Bears. Okay. The Bears? Are you kidding me? The team that hasn't had a quarterback since 1985? Jim McMahon isn't strolling through. And I really like Justin Fields. I'm high in him. I think he's going to be a good player. He's still developing. He's got a head coach that's a flat-out liability that hurts his development. But Justin Fields was hurt on Sunday. He can't play. So who's starting in this game? Just looking at quarterbacks, Tim Boyle, Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, that's right, Tim Boyle, and Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket. It's a snooze fest of a game. And I get it on East Coast for non-Atlantic time. That's a 12:30 start. But I don't care. Throw a team on there that deserves it. You know, the Patriots get lauded a lot. They should play in Thanksgiving every year because of what they did for 20 years. During that 20-year span, the Lions played on Thanksgiving every day. While the Patriots should have been grandfathered in. The Green Bay Packers should be grandfathered in to play on Thanksgiving. Not Detroit. At least give us Detroit Green Bay. Not Detroit Chicago. Who gives a shit? Now, I'm a pathetic human being. I'm going to watch this game when I get off work. Full transparency, I'll probably talk about it on Friday. But most people aren't me. They're not just going to say, well, the NFL is on. I'm going to watch it. People do have lives. And if I had a life, say there's an option. Hmm. I might go to a gastropub, have a beer after work. Or go watch the Lions. It's a no-brainer. Watch an episode of The Office. Watch the Detroit Lions. I want to see what Dwight Schrute's up to, even though I already know what the hell happened. It's, uh, I don't know. Like, Lions fans shouldn't even want their team to play in Thanksgiving because it just puts more of an emphasis, more of a spotlight on how pathetic you are. Like Tony Romo and Jim Nance must just be dreading this because not only do they get to call this game, they have to go to Detroit at the end of November. People don't want to be in Detroit, period. But late November, when it's freezing ass cold, I don't give a crap if it's a dome. Check, please. Um, yeah, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, you guys got this game, bro, right? Not to mention there's no Justin Fields. I don't really care about watching Jared Goff. No, he's not playing for the Lions. Who cares? Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I really like for the Lions. Good, really good tight end. No Khalil Mack for the Bears. He'd be the most entertaining player of this game. Quarterbacks, why? I don't care. He's not playing. Done for the season. Surgery. <sighs> this is just... If there's ever been a snooze fest, this is capital snooze, this game. And the NFL should be embarrassed that they had the Detroit Lions on every bleeping year. Now, the most interesting element of this game is not the game, not what a player does, not what happens, because nobody cares. It's the fallout. And what I mean by that is there was a report yesterday in the Chicago Tribune that the Bears have informed their head coach, Matt Nagy, that after the game tomorrow, he's going to be fired. So the report is he's told already, go coach this game, then you're gone. I know. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, 
Number one, I don't think this is true. Because who in their right mind would go coach knowing that they're getting fired after the game, win or loss? Number one, I know myself. I'm not going to coach a team if you're going to fire me. I'm telling my boss or former employer to kick rocks. If you're going to fire me, go get some other schlub to, to coach the team. I'm, I'm designing game plans because I want to work here. If you don't want to employ me anymore, don't employ me. Don't, you don't got me on a leash. Let me go free. Pay me my money. Kiss my ass. But I, do I think Matt Nagy could be fired between tomorrow and the following Sunday? Yeah. Because after this game, they get 10 days off. That's a long time. And to me, Matt Nagy should have been fired last offseason. Ryan Pace should have been fired last offseason because of the way they handled Mitch Trubisky. They didn't develop a quarterback. They took second overall. They didn't look at this player and say, how can we improve him? How can we design an offense so that he has success? Bootlegs, play action, run the football. No, he's now a backup quarterback in Buffalo. And you take another quarterback, you get to take another quarterback in the top 15 after the way you just handled the last one. And you're like the luckiest cat in the world. You got 15 lives, fuck nine. And I, I don't believe the report, but I still think he could be fired between tomorrow and the following Sunday, a week from Sunday. And that doesn't mean the report's true. It just means win or loss tomorrow. Yeah, we're sick of you. We're sick of looking at your bald head, reminding us of Adam Gase and the way he handles quarterbacks. You kind of, you gave us that Gase stench. Adam Gase is coaching high school football right now, by the way. Um, Yeah. And, but I mean, if the Lions win tomorrow, who do not have a win, who will be dressing Tim Boyle, who will be making a second career start at QB, no, he's getting fired. I think by Friday morning, the mothership's going to be running stories on Matt Nagy about how he got fired. And it's over for him because I don't know how he survives that. But we'll see. Not an interesting game. The follow with the Bears would will be interesting. The Lions continue to be completely just anemic. So kudos to what a few Lions fans that they have left. And uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Yeah, happy Turkey Day. Second game of the day. Raiders and the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Well, the Cowboys have lost two of their last three. They smoke the Falcons in between. Yet the Falcons, somehow the Falcons have a four and six record. They they play like a two and fifteen team. They're terrible, pathetic. Not Detroit pathetic, but you know, bad team. Um, and the Raiders, three straight losses. And Derek Carr went from the first three weeks, we got ourselves an MVP candidate. I said that once, and I jumped the gun because, as you guys know, I try not to be overreaction Monday. I do like Derek Carr, like the cut of his jib, so to speak, but he hasn't been good enough. And the last three weeks against New York Giants, which they lost on the road, two interceptions, hosting Casey, one interception. He was, you know, just three for 10 on third down, just anemic, got crushed. And then last week at home versus Cincinnati, he has an interception and he was just dinking and doinking the whole day. And the team has not had any competency and Dak hasn't been good either. He had three, uh, three turnovers last week against the chiefs in the loss against the Broncos. He also threw two interceptions. So five turnovers in his last two losses for Dakota rain Prescott. And to me, the struggles on offense for both these teams are quite simple to me. Run the football. This is a fun stat. Dak Prescott is 27 
and oh in his career when the Cowboys run the football more than they pass during a game. Meaning when Zeke, when Tony Pollard, when end around screens, when there is more rushing attempts than passing attempts, he has never lost as a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, last week they didn't run the ball. And it cost them because Dak made some poor decisions, held on the ball too long. And when Dak is bad, he's bad. There's no like, oh, he played okay. He plays great MVP level. Like there's the guy who's a top 10 quarterback or he's stinking it up against Denver. And you're like, who the hell is this? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So we're kind of at this impasse where the, the Raiders need to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. The Cowboys need to get Zeke and Tony Pollard involved early. But to me, this game comes down to what defense can play better. And the Raiders have completely fallen off. I don't have any faith in them. So I look at the Cowboys and say, their defense played really well against Kansas City last week. They held Kansas City to 19 points. If the Dallas offense had anything, they could have won that game. It was very much in striking distance. They just couldn't pull out anything. Overthrew Gallup, threw a terrible pass. That was intercepted by Sneed. C.D. Lamb was concussed on the play. And the anarchy continued from there. So I look at Micah Parsons. I look at uh, Joris Armstrong, uh, Trayvon Diggs. This defense played hard last week, played well without regulars like a Randy Gregory, without a Demarcus Lawrence who are elite pass rushers, but they still can get to the quarterback and they can cover because they didn't allow the Chiefs to get big plays. They tried to limit everything. Keanu Neal, the box safety, she's been playing really well. So I believe the Cowboys will win this game tomorrow just because I trust their defense more than I do the Raiders. The last three weeks, it hasn't been good. First few weeks it was. Max Crosby, Carl Nassip were getting pressure. You saw Jonathan Abram and uh, Morig, the, the rookie from TCU, uh, play strong in the middle, but their corners have been a problem. Casey Hayward Jr. had the best uh, corner rank when it comes to passes caught against in the first three weeks. He's dropped mightily over the last couple, and Derek Carr just hasn't been consistent. You know, this season is on the line for the, to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders in this game. They're five and five. They're right there. They're going to be at the, they're at the bottom of the division with the Broncos. They need to win this game for the Cowboys with a loss. They would be seven and four. That's not the end of the world, but it does make it more interesting because I think the Eagles are going to continue to win. I expect them to be six and six after this weekend and the Eagles play the Cowboys in the last week of the season. You know, could that game become more intriguing as we get down the stretch here? Perhaps. And we'll see for sure, but it it's certainly interesting to see what will happen. But I expect the Cowboys to play, play well. They're not going to have Amari Cooper because he tested a positive for COVID and he's unvaccinated. But as of right now, reports are C.D. Lamb, who was in concussion protocol, is going to be able to play tomorrow. It looks as if Tyron Smith, who missed the last three weeks at left tackle, is going to play um, huge additions for this team. So, uh, so we'll see, but I expect the Cowboys to leave tomorrow with that eight and three record and start to feel better about themselves. And you'll hear the mothership be back on that Cowboy bandwagon. And the day is capped with the Buffalo Bills and New Orleans Saints. And the Buffalo Bills had one year after Brady departed, where they were better than Belichick, where they set the new meter. They were the pace car. And it's only lasted one year because Cam Newton's departed. They spent the most money in the history of the NFL on free agents, like Matt Judon, like Hunter Henry, like Johnny Smith, like Adrian Phillips. And this New England, you know, New England drafted a quarterback, rookie, 15th overall. They played him. They cut Cam Newton who just might be a future Hall of Famer, a former MVP of the National Football League. 
And with Mac Jones playing Josh McDaniel's system, finding guys like Hunter Henry in the end zone, not turning the ball over, running the ball extremely well with Damian Harris and the rookie Ramondre Stevenson out of OU. They've and a, and a great offense, great offensive line and an elite defense. They've already got to, to, to the top of the mountain again in this division. The Bills head into this game second in the AFC East. And the Bills are, I don't know what to make of them. You look at the Bills, they lose to the Jaguars. They score six points and their defense was lauded. But then they go and play a beast, Jonathan Taylor. And he makes them look foolish. It looks like they lack physicality. And they were just bullied against the Indianapolis Colts, who have the best running attack in the NFL. and just might have the best offensive line as well. So where does that, where does that bring us? What are the Bills? Well, we know they're going into New Orleans, which will be a loud building. Like I said, Drew Brees night. But the Saints are also 5-5 five and five. since that big win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've been pretty awful. Defensively, they lost their edge. They gave up 250 yards rushing last week to the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts ran for three touchdowns, and they lost by 11, but the game wasn't as close as the scoreboard would indicate. They, Trevor Simeon is at quarterback, but he lacks weapons. There's no Michael Thomas. Uh, Marquez Callaway is inconsistent. Trotman it was injured last week, so they don't, they don't have a whole lot of options. Also, Alvin Kamara. Did not play last week. That doesn't help. And I think the Saints are fading. I don't think the Saints are going to make the playoffs. They lost Jameis Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, sorry. They uh, Drew Brees retired. They're in a state of transition. They're not what they used to be. And I expect the like I said, I expect the Saints to lose a lot of games down the stretch here. This this is one of them. They had the Cowboys in, in a week from tomorrow. But when it comes to the, the Bills, they got to prove they can stop the run. Well, tomorrow night, I think, will be a good one for people to jump back on that Bills bandwagon because Mark Ingram is a power back of sorts, but not in the conventional sense. He's a guy that will move downhill, but he's also got his limitations when it comes to his power, and he's not a spring chicken anymore. Uh, Alvin Kamara is better suited, used out of the backfield, than a traditional runner. He's a scat back, of course. Very tough to cover, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a hampered Alvin Kamara have a quiet night because I'm sure Sean McDermott, the head coach who is defensive minded oriented, is just going to say, yeah, that's not going to happen. Alvin Kamara is not going to beat us. Okay. Trevor Simeon, throw it to Traquan Smith, throw it to Marquez Calloway, Trotman, whomever. It's just not going to be Alvin Kamara. And this Bill's front should be able to stop the run of the New Orleans Saints. and But the big thing is if they don't, if Mark Ingram, who was a cast-off, first from New Orleans, then went to Baltimore, he was cut there, goes to Houston, Houston sends him back to New Orleans. If he has a big day against this team, it tells you something about the Buffalo Bills that they can't contain a guy who's on his last leg, so to speak, in the NFL. He's not the old Mark Ingram where he was, he was elite in, in New Orleans you know, the all-time leading rusher. So I expect the Bills to win the game tomorrow. It's on the road, but I still, I don't trust Trevor Simeon. Uh, you know, Sean Payton's a brilliant offensive mind, but he doesn't have enough to overcome an inexperienced quarterback who is just an average guy at best, and he needs a lot of things to go right for him to have success. So... In totality, tomorrow's games will be interesting. They're, they're not the most sexy games for sure. You, you get two teams that are in there just based on history and the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. You could say the Raiders as well, even though they don't play every Thanksgiving. They're a team of, of consequence in the NFL. And then you have the Bills and Saints who, by regular circumstances, this would be a great game. And it might end up being a really good game. But as we head into it, you know, it's hard to get super stoked to see Trevor Simeon play the nightcap of your Thanksgiving day. But I complain about Detroit Lions. I complain about preferential treatment with the Dallas Cowboys. It doesn't change the fact that this is, this is awesome. You have a Thursday where you have football all afternoon long. And 
I've said this about our country of Canada for years. Our Thanksgiving should be when the American Thanksgiving is. Now, I know I've, I've been criticized about this before is that, you know, I'm a Canadian and I, I like football more than I like hockey. That's absolutely true. Uh, football is the far superior sport. I love them both. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy hockey because what, what does the American, what, what does the NHL do the day after American Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, they have a slew of afternoon hockey games. I'm talking Friday. There is, you know, they have the Rangers in Boston play at two o'clock. Flyers, Hurricanes at 430. Uh, Wild Jets. I mean, there's Canadian NHL teams that play in the afternoon. Ottawa is, is in uh, Anaheim, I believe. So this stuff happens. There's these afternoon games that, that are super, super interesting, super, super compelling. And I just think in Canada, we should change it because it, okay, I get it that we need to have a holiday every month, which I don't think we really do. But nevertheless, I think you put it the same weekend as, as the American one, solidarity. And not only that, is you get to reap the rewards of the um the american football games and normally when the cfl is playing a normal schedule the great cup normally falls this weekend the last weekend in november uh it's going to be december 12th this year because they had a late start they didn't get they didn't get a full season in so december 12th is going to end signal the end of the cfl season but normally this would you know this would be the weekend for the great cup so not only do you get a day off uh, that, that Thursday, you can schedule some plans and, you know, whenever the, wherever the Grey Cup is that year, maybe you get an extra day to travel to get there in the city, really enjoy Grey Cup week in Hamilton, Edmonton, Calgary, wherever. So Americans eat turkey on Thanksgiving and then eat it again, you know, at Christmas time. They don't seem to mind. Uh, and I think you get into the holiday season. I'm a guy that, you know, people say, Oh, you're screwed. You hate Christmas. I don't, I don't hate Christmas. I hate aspects of Christmas, but maybe I'd be more invested and say, okay, well, we got one holiday. We're leading into another one. It's literally a month away. Christmas is a month after Thanksgiving for the Americans. For us, we're like, is this even freaking Thanksgiving? Like, it, nothing. Okay. Yeah. There's leaves. I think if you have Thanksgiving at this time of year too, you're more thankful for something because the weather sucks. You, the days are short. You're thankful that you at least have family and something good to eat because the other surroundings, you know, your job's fine, but after you get off, you're done work at five, it's pitch black. You're like, okay, I want to go to bed. This sucks. Maybe I'm completely off base here, but I think it would be a good idea. Trudeau, I know you don't like good ideas. But maybe consider this one. Maybe it'll help you get some votes, you know? Maybe people, you know, just say that you are ready uh, to take over take over the post and really come up with some, some interesting ideas. I'm available. Um, I don't come free, but I am available. Skype call. Want to fly me in. Private charter. I won't say no. Um, but if you pick me up on a Ford, probably hop back on the plane. But, you know, anything else? I'm down. Maybe a cliff bar when I get off. That would be, that'd be nice. So, but yeah, uh, in all seriousness, I think it'd be a good idea and happy Thanksgiving to all our friends across the border. Um, other NFL news. I mentioned this yesterday briefly, but this is, you know, this is a story that's going to have more fallout and it is the New York giants firing their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett after two seasons. And Jason Garrett was fired because his offense ranked 31st in the NHL, uh, sorry, in the NFL last season. It was, it's ranked 27th in the NFL this season. So he's gradually improved, but since he's been there, we have seen no development from the quarterback. They drafted six overall Daniel Jones. And now the organization's in a holding pattern where they say, we just signed Kenny Galladay to a huge contract. We just spent a, the 20th overall pick in the draft on Kadarius Tony. We don't know how to use him. We got Sterling Shepard. We got Darius Slayton. We took Saquon Barkley with the third overall pick at running back. Sorry, the second overall pick at running back. Where do we go from here? 
And to me, Jason Garrett's a start, but to me, it starts at the top and Dave Gettleman has got to go. The New York Giants are, are similar to the Vancouver Canucks in my eyes because they just have bad roster construction. And it starts with your star players. Daniel Jones was drafted to be the quarterback of the future. And he has all the tools, great athletic ability. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, he, he's got skill position players around him. He, but what he just makes too many bad decisions, too many stupid decisions where you shake your head and say, what was that? Why did he do that? You have a, you have a guy wide open, right open. You throw the ball down the field into double coverage. Why was that the decision? Did he just do that? And that happens all too often. So you're left wondering, well, who, why is this happening? And I think you look at it and say, Dave Gettleman's got to go. He drafted Daniel Jones. He's brought in some of their head. He had, he hired Pat Shermer. He hired Joe judge who he was a special teams coach under Bill Belichick. He wears a hoodie like Bill Belichick, him and Matt Patricia, who went to coach Detroit are basically disciples of Belichick where they act coy with the media. They act like they're tough. They're all aloof. What's what's Tom's last name? Uh, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You know, it, you have to have originality. I love Dan Patrick, but I, I can't be Dan Patrick. I can't, I can't be some of the guys that I really enjoy listening to podcasts about. You know, I can't be overdrive because I can't talk Maple Leafs for three hours. You know, I, I can't. So there, there has to be diversity. There has to be originality with, with the content, with what you're doing. And as a head coach, he is Bill Belichick. And if I'm a player, I'm like, first of all, Okay, you're not Bill Belichick. You're a special teams coach who acts like a guy that's won something in this league. No, Bill can be a hard ass. He can be a prick because you know what? He's won six Super Bowls. There's something nobody can take away from him, and that is his his ability to win. He lost Tom Brady. In his first season, he took one right off the chin. But you look in in the second year post-Tom Brady – they have as good a chance to win a Super Bowl than the Bucs do. The Bucs have already won one, but the Patriots could win a Super Bowl this year. It would not surprise me because they have the roster to do it. But the Giants, Dave Gettleman's got to go. I don't know what the, the Mora family's going to do with Joe Judge. He's only been there two years, so I could see them keeping him. But again, I don't think it's the right choice. I think you need a true football guy. And I'm going to throw out a name for the New York Giants. They interviewed this guy for the job that Dave Gettleman got. So it would be ironic. And I don't think, to be honest, I don't think they're going to hire this guy. They'll have to interview this person because he's black. Because under the Rooney rule, you have to interview at least one black, one minority candidate for your head coaching and GM positions. And the Mora family are old, the old boys club, you know, they, uh, they like to keep things really white and they don't, it's very, you could, again, it's about hiring the best candidate. And to me, the best candidate to, to run the New York giants is Lewis Riddick. And Lewis Riddick is currently doing Monday night football, really good at it. But Lewis Riddick worked in front offices in this division. He worked for the Philadelphia Eagles under, under Andy Reid. He worked for the Washington football team. And he's great. I love listening to him on TV. I think he's one of the best in, in the world at just breaking down football fundamentals, things of that nature, but he knows talent. He's worked around it. And he goes to the senior bowl every year to watch college players. He he's in the game so much and the giants, they need football people. Dave Gilliman doesn't strike me as a football guy. Lewis Riddick needs to go in there and hire scouts that he trusts. You don't just go in there and keep the guys that you've had. Cause guess what? They told you 
Yeah, we have this guy that we think we could get late in the first round, possibly in the second round. Yeah, let's take him at six. Well, is he a home run? Well, we think he's pretty good. Well, no, it has to be a home run. You have to be – when you're drafting a quarterback, it has to be, yes, he can't miss. And I don't think the New York Giants drafted Daniel Jones thinking he, he's a can't-miss prospect. The Washington football team that's seen draft did not draft Dwayne Haskins and say he's a can't-miss prospect. They drafted Dwayne Haskins because it was reported after because Daniel Snyder wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins, the owner, because Haskins is from Ma- Andover, Maryland. He's a local kid. He's, he can sell. He's a, good, he's a good little toy. Well, he was a disaster in Washington. He's now a third-string quarterback on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what happens to bad organizations. And Jason Garrett's gone. I don't know if he'll ever get another job in the NFL after a decade in Dallas where they have limit little to no success. No success here is the OC. But I don't know where Daniel Jones is going to be playing next year, but I don't think it's going to be the New York Giants. I don't think Dave, uh, Dave Gettleman will be running their draft because if they continue to lose, they're going to ha- have a high pick. They're going to have some decisions to make. And if I'm the Mara family, I get on the horn and I say, Lewis, we know you, you really like your Monday Night Football job. You know, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, they're great guys. But let's be honest, you're probably going to get replaced eventually. Because what if Pete Manning wants to come in the booth? What if there's an, another big name? Guess what? We're probably going to replace you guys. You guys have done a good job. But people are still like, wow, those guys are doing Monday Night Football. So it's a, it's a job that's in peril. It's up in the air. So to me, just – Go try to hire Lewis Riddick. There are other good candidates out there, but he's one for me that really comes to mind because they need a, a major overhaul on how you acquire, how you draft, and how you develop young prospects. It doesn't just start with, with the quarterback, but also what the Giants need to do is they drafted Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. Well, they need to accept that it was a mistake. They need to accept it. They can't give him a fifth-year option. The guy is beyond broken. He's injured every year and move on. It was a mistake pick. You can't do anything about it now, but moving forward, Saquon Barkley is not your running back of the future. He's not a guy that you can trust to be on the field week to week. And I don't feel that even the Giants fans would boo him leaving because what has he done? So what, what have you done for me lately? It's not about, okay, you're a great guy coming out of Penn state. We'll see. But I, you know, we, we see great running backs with stature, with brand name. Adrian Peterson was cut by the Tennessee Titans last night, and they hardly have any running backs on their roster. That tells you what they think of Adrian Peterson. They look at him and say, he's 36. He's been hit a lot. Yes, he's still jacked out the wazoo, but he can't play NFL football anymore. He, he's just not that guy. He's not AP of 2012 that nearly won the MVP of the league or sorry, they did win MVP of the league that nearly broke Eric Dickerson's record for most rush yards in a single season. He's 36. He can't get, he doesn't have great speed and behind an offensive line that is mediocre at best. It doesn't bode well for a guy that's slow and doesn't have that, those jukes and and ability to break off tackles or be elusive and, and, uh, you know, make guys miss. So it, it can happen. Saquon Barkley is going to move on. He's going to be on a new team. I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Jones is on a new team and Dave Gettleman will be, you know, golfing in Santa Clara. But that, that is how I see the, the Giants organization working itself out over the next couple of months. In Green Bay, big news over the weekend. They lost left-slash-right tackle, Elton Jenkins, to a torn ACL. And Elton Jenkins is a right tackle by trade, but he's been playing left tackle this year because David Bakhtiari, the all-pro pro bowler, has not been available because he tore his ACL in week 17 last year. Um, so week 16 last year uh, in practice. He had to miss the playoffs, obviously miss the NFC Championship game. And I think this cost the Packers the Super Bowl. And that's why this loss is so pivotal. 
Bakhtiari was a beast on that side of the ball. But who was on the left side the entire game? They didn't put Jenkins over there. They had another tackle, and Shaq Barrett had a field day. Three sacks. Rodgers was hit six times, threw an interception, and that pass rush got to him all day. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, Devin White, they were blitzing out. the Todd Bowles was blitzing out the wazoo, and it just didn't work out. It, the defense worked. Aaron Rodgers had a tough day, had an opportunity to win the game late, but you could argue it was the Green Bay defense forcing three turnovers of Tom Brady that really kept them in the game. And ultimately, the Bucks defense made a stand. The Packers decided to kick a field goal. They never got the ball back with Tom Brady getting first downs. So I look at this and say, this is a big deal for a couple of reasons. Well, David Bakhtiari is coming back. He's not going to play this week, but he should be after the bye week, which is next week after they play the Rams. He should be available to play, which is great news, and it's a huge boost to this team. But he's coming off a torn ACL. It's a significant injury. Maybe he's not the same player as he used to be. Well, playing right tackle is much easier because it's not your blindside protection. Now he's going to have to cover, you know, he's got to cover the best rusher every game. You look at this, uh, he's not playing, but if he was this weekend, you're likely going to see Leonard Floyd or Von Miller on every snap. That's a lot to go up against your body. And not only that, Elton Jenkins could have played right tackle. So you have two walls on either side, cleaner pocket for Aaron Rodgers. He's able to dice, find open men, and play a great football game. But Packers don't have that. They don't have that ability anymore. They don't have a two-headed monster at, at their tackle position. And I'm interested to see what defenses do now that they're only going to have one. This week for the Rams, they only have, they don't have to deal with Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins. So their offensive line is going to be compromised. Can they make up for it? You know, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, uh, Von Miller are going to be at the disposal for the Rams. How does this offensive line hold up at home? As we get into the playoffs, when you're playing the elite teams like the Rams, like the Buccaneers, can they hold up and, you know, can you give Rodgers enough time so that the route can develop, so that he can throw the ball on time? And that, that to me, is the, is the biggest development because otherwise you'd feel pretty good about this offensive line. Now you're saying, well, losing one of these guys ultimately cost us the Super Bowl last year. This loss has the potential to have those same ramifications for Green Bay where they look back and say, that one stupid injury in a game where – we, we lost to Minnesota, but Aaron Rodgers ball out, but we lost. And Elton Jenkins hasn't allowed a sack in the last two years that he's played in the NFL. He's playing at a very high level. It's a massive loss, and I'm interested to see how Green Bay reacts. They got, they got that medicine served to them last year on a silver platter where they didn't have tackles that were able to, cut, able to block, able to stop guys like Shaq Barrett. Well, how do they deal with it this year? They don't have Robert Tanyan either, who can, is a running back, could be used in that part of the game. But can Mercedes Lewis, can Dirkara, can the tight end start chipping? Can they help out? I think they're going to need to. I think when it comes to pass blocking, the, the tight end is going to have to be a pivotal part of it. Or the running back can step up, get a hit on, on the pass rusher, and, and continue into a route. Because one-on-one with the likes of uh, Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller and Shaq Barrett and Randy Gregory when he comes back for the Dallas Cowboys, it's not going to be a fun task for the Green Bay Packers. And we'll see how they adjust to it moving forward. Um, also in the NFL news, uh, Taysom Hill was given an uh, extension of up to $40 million with the New Orleans Saints. However, he can earn an additional $55 million if he's the starting quarterback, if he's playing quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Now, at this point, Trevor Simeon's the starter. Uh, Jameis Winston does not have a contract for next year. Neither does Trevor Simeon. So, in effect, Taysom Hill, will be, after the season, will be the only quarterback under contract, meaning he would be number one in the depth chart. But what this contract does, number one, 
it still makes me worry that Sean Payton thinks Taysom Hill can be a quarterback long-term, a starter that wins. Newsflash, I don't think he can. And number two, well, yes, he's a jack of all trades. He can run the ball. He can catch. He's a Swiss Army knife. But he's also been injured a lot this year. He's missed two games. He is questionable for tomorrow's game. How healthy is he going to be? If he's starting to wear down already, well, he's not a quarterback. He can be your fullback. He can be your tight end. But if your position player is banged up and you want him, that's not a good combination. I don't see that as a win. Because you're relying on a guy that's brittle to be available week in, week out, and in, in effect, be a weapon for you. Because as I talked about before, the Saints don't have a whole don't have a lot of options. Traquan Smith and Alvin Kamara, when he's healthy, are your guys. Trotman, the tight end, but it gets thin very, very quick. And I don't know how the the Saints are going to react to this, how they approach dealing with a with a player like Taysom Hill. I don't think the contract makes a whole lot of sense to me personally. He's not the, the player of the future, if you will. But we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens when it comes to Taysom Hill in New Orleans. But that, that remains to be seen what is going to, what, what comes on the horizon here for the New Orleans Saints. Um, college football, briefly here. I, I love being right. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, it's a lot of fun to be right. It's, it's fun to, to say, well, I predicted this yesterday and I was, I was right. And normally something that's very tough to be right about is the college football playoff committee because they're about as senile and as crazy as anybody you've ever met in your life. However, yesterday on the podcast, if you didn't listen, which you can always go back and listen to uh, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. I said that the college football rankings would go as follows. And this is how I would rank it as also. Number one would be Georgia. Easy, best team in the nation, undefeated. They are they have the best defense in crazy, crazy good defense. They are legit. Number two, I would have Ohio State, who had previously been four, three, uh, they are now two, and I said they'd be two because of the way they played against Michigan State, leading 49 to nothing at half. C.J. Stroud throwing for six touchdowns, only having three incompletions, just dominating a Big Ten rival, and Michigan State was ranked number seven at the time, and C.J. Stroud is also a favorite for the uh, Heisman Trophy, in my opinion. I said number three would be the Alabama Crimson Tide, which they are. I don't think Alabama should be three. I don't care if you play in the SEC. Yes, it is the best football conference. However, they've narrowly beaten LSU, Arkansas. They lost to Texas A&M. They haven't had a great year. This football team is not that great. And, but, you know, they have a loss and they, they are put... Uh, number three, again, I don't think it's the correct decision. And I said, for the first time in the history of this, for the first time the College Football Playoff Committee would put number four, in my opinion, Cincinnati in the four spot. And how, this would be crazy because Cincinnati is outside the Power Five conferences. They're not in the SEC. They're not in the Big Ten. They're not in the Big 12. They're not in the Pac-12. They're not in the Big Ten. It, it would just break the norm. You know, the American Athletic Conference gets no, no love, no respect. Houston, SMU are not teams that are looked at fondly. Well, to my, to shock me, even though I said this would happen, Cincinnati is ranked number four in the college football playoff pool. And this is big to me at this point because there's only one more rankings week before they pick the final four. We will get uh, – a new revamp final four following this weekend. I mentioned a bunch of really huge games. Ohio state, Michigan comes to mind as the, as a huge big game because the winner of that game will be in the final four coming into, you know, come Tuesday, the winner of that game will be in the, in, in the top four because it's going to be a one loss, big 10 team. You bet your ass they're going to be in the, in the, in the final four. They'll go play their big, a big 10 championship game against the Wisconsin Badgers 
a week from Saturday. Um, Cincinnati plays on Friday. They get that win. You know, that's a big win for them. They go and play in the American Athletic Conference. Alabama's already set up. They're playing Georgia. They are playing Auburn this weekend, but I do think they should be able to get by them. But what it says to me is the committee has boxed themselves in. Having Cincinnati at four, it does not matter how Cincinnati wins their last two games if they win them. If Cincinnati wins out, they are going into the college football playoff. They will be the four seed. Okay, you won't have any have them any higher than four. That's fine. But Cincinnati will be one of the four teams playing because let's just be honest here. They have done everything you can do. They won every game in their conference, out of conference. They schedule a game against Notre Dame, one of the most prestigious schools in all of the United States. They go to South Bend, Indiana and beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, has one loss. One loss on their schedule just outside their, their number five. And guess what, who they've lost to? Oh, yeah, Cincinnati. So, and I do think they have more outs because what if, just for instance, Ohio State beat, beats Michigan this weekend. I do think the game will be much, much closer than um, Ohio State, Michigan State. But if Ohio State wins, they're going to play Wisconsin. I don't think it's a gimme. Wisconsin's not a good football team, but they're good on defense. If they can run the ball, the game could get interesting. You never know. But at the same time, Ohio State could win that game 52-3. to three. But potentially there's, there's an avenue there. There's also, I mean, the biggest one for me is, well, Alabama has to play Georgia a week from Saturday. And I've said all year, Georgia is the best team in the country. And I don't think Alabama can beat Georgia. Neutral site, I don't care if the game was in Tuscaloosa. I believe that Georgia would win. And with, with a loss, Alabama becomes a two-loss team. There's never been a two-loss team to make the college football playoff in the history of this setup. So then it becomes, well, who deserves to be that four C? Because I think they will lose. Number one, it keeps Cincinnati in there, no doubt about it. I think they uh, would, would be the three seed at that point. Uh, but then it's about, well, what happens in the Big 12? Because I, you know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma play each other this Saturday. Another big game. That's a nightcap. The winner of that game will go in the Big 12 championship game. If the team that wins this weekend wins out and Alabama loses another game, I think that you know the Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State team, whomever of that three can get the next two wins will be in the college football playoff because they won the big 12. They played against competent schools, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state each only have one loss. So to me, I see Oklahoma in the catbird seat because Oklahoma state is a school that, you know, they had Chuba Hubbard for a long time, but I think they have a solid defense for the, for the big 12, but I don't expect this. I don't expect Oklahoma state to beat Oklahoma. And in a rematch, I think Oklahoma will beat Baylor. They were embarrassed the first time. I think uh, Oklahoma will get the better. So to me, the last two games, even if Cincinnati has to play Houston again, I think they'll beat them. I, I have faith that Cincinnati will, will finish their season 2-0. So they're going to be in. I think Georgia will beat Alabama regardless if they lose that game. They will be in the Final Four. The winner of the Big Ten, having one loss, that's guaranteed to be in the Final Four. And I believe the fourth team is not going to be Alabama because they're going to have two losses. It will be either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, the team that wins this coming weekend. So it bodes well for Cincinnati. We could still get some chaos because if Cincinnati loses one of the next two games, I think Notre Dame really creeps into that picture. Even though they lost to Cincinnati, I still think with the Cincinnati losing one game, it gives Notre Dame a much better chance of getting into the final four where I look at right now, unless complete anarchy happens where you get teams lose twice in the big 12 or the big 10 completely goes to shit. You're going to see Notre Dame miss out and play one of the better bowl games uh, following, you know, just prior to the college football playoff, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But again, the four teams being in the correct order that I predicted, I take credit in that. I thank the committee for finally doing the right thing, including a team 
that deserves to be there, that has worked really hard. And it doesn't matter if they're not in the power five. They're a team that has worked, that is very competent. They know what they're doing. And the Bear, Bearcat Nation, the Bearcat fans, and just the Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, you know, led by Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, should be very excited that you're in a position right now, you're in the catbird seat to make the Final Four. So, so congratulations to them. NHL, uh, before we wrap today, there are some, pardon me, there is some news. And let's start out in Tampa, where Tampa is being hit by injuries. You know, a couple weeks ago, Nikita Kucherov was banged up. He's out multiple weeks. But then it was leaked yesterday that Braden Point, you know, the guy who's been probably the most clutch player in the last two playoffs, is out four to six weeks with an upper upper body injury. And this, you know, it, it's cause for concern, for sure. You still have the best goalie in the world, in my opinion. But you don't have your two of your best forwards. That is a, a tough assignment for any team. But you look at this Tampa Bay team and they go in and play Philadelphia last night. And number one, Vasilevsky makes 34 saves. No surprise, but you look, okay. Alex Barry Brule scores a goal. Okay. Not bad. Zach, Zach Bogosian has four points in seven games, including a goal and an assist last night. Pretty impressive. Patrick Maroon had an assist. Ryan McDonough, Corey Perry scored his first goal as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Steven Stamkos had three points. He's having a breakout season. Mikhail Sergachev had, had two points. This team just finds production from guys. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter when you need it. But the Tampa Bay Lightning will strike. We'll put goals and we'll put pucks in the back of the net when you least suspect it. And to me, it doesn't matter. I heard Rick Tockett mention this, who's currently working for TNT. It does not matter where the where the Tampa Bay Lightning finish. They could be third. They can head to Toronto in the playoffs. As long as they don't play Florida in the first round like they did last year, I feel very good about their chances because Tampa has been there, done that. The core of their team has been to the playoffs multiple times. They've gone through battles. They went through the Columbus collapse. They know what it takes to get to that next level to win a Stanley Cup. And they won't be feared by playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, by playing the Boston Bruins. They will welcome any customer and they started their series against Florida last year on the road, games one and two. And New Splash, they won them both. That's, that's how Tampa operates. They just find ways to win. And they were a three seed that made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final and won it. So we'll see where this goes from here. But I, I think Tampa Lightning are going to be fine because you still have the best goalie in the world. You still have the best defenseman. Ryan McDonough is still present. Steven Stamkos is, is healthy. He looks healthy for once. He's another guy, like I mentioned yesterday. Steven Stamkos, the way he's playing, is a guy that should be on the Olympic radar because of the points he's putting up, the way he's playing, he's playing by himself right now without a guy who's also going to be in Team Canada and breaking Braden Point. So, you know, this, this Tampa team is littered with Olympians. Braden Point, likely Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, Ryan McDonough, uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing Nikita Kucherov, if I didn't already say him. Like, this team is just floating with talent, floating with guys that will go and represent their country in Beijing or wherever the hell it's going. I don't know. I, for, I forget because they're all in all in Asian countries, but I forget where this Olympics is. If they do happen, uh, you know, I, we're going to see a lot of Tampa lightning members uh, present over there. Big night in the sports world. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 13, 15 NHL games. That means pretty much every team is playing tonight. Bruins at Sabres. You got Flyers, Panthers, Wild Devils. My Devils continue to stick around uh, in that division. You got uh, Vancouver visiting Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm excited to watch that one. See how those teams do. Canadians at Capitals, where we'll see Jake Allen return to the pipes since for the first time since being diagnosed with a concussion. Winnipeg in Columbus, where we'll see uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois make his return to his former club. You got Blues, Red Wings, Rangers visit the Islanders for the first time, where 
The uh, Islanders are going to look to turn it around before it gets too, too south on them. You got Golden Knights, Preds, Ducks, Avalanche, which should be a good game. John Gibson against Darcy Kemper. Colorado's won five in a row. You got the uh, Anaheim Ducks, who have a ton of swagger, which is led by Trevor Zegras, who is a star in this league already. He's got a great personality. And if you can check it out, I listened to his interview on Ray and Dregs um, earlier today. And the guy's just, he pisses and oozes confidence. And I think he's a, a star blossoming. Uh, Oilers uh, against the Coyotes. Uh, no Duncan Keith. He was injured last night in the loss of the Stars. But Oilers will look to get back on their winning ways. The Coyotes have points in three straight, including two wins. So they are riding a high right now. Uh, also got Maple Leafs at Kings. We'll see Jonathan Quick play Jack Campbell. In the first meeting, uh, Jonathan Quick got the better of the two. But the protege and Padawan will do battle again tonight. You got Hurricanes capping off a road trip in Seattle. Uh, and then you got Sens at the at the Sharks tonight. So busy night in the NHL. We got football tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be podcasting with my good buddy Johnny Penny tomorrow. Uh, he'll make his debut in the podcast. So that should be a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy him. He's going to talk. We're going to talk some Olympics, talk. He loves the Leafs. And we'll also talk about some of his old hockey stories when it comes to just some funny antics he got up to back in the day playing junior B in Tri-County, which is near uh, Fredericton. So being present for some of those games, I know how crazy it can get, especially with a, with a guy like Nick Gilbert on your team. But as always, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Hope you guys are all well. Uh, stay safe, stay warm, and uh, we'll talk soon.